We have been going through the book of Exodus. And because of the reaction to people throughout the ages, that oftentimes the problem is is that we get our eyes on the wrong person. So for instance, Moses was almost deified, if you will, by his people well after his death. Not so much during his lifetime. And sometimes we have this idea that these great men of God and these great women of God are great and then you add God. And that is not the case. Moses is great not because Moses was a great leader. Not because Moses had a great idea about how to provide law and stability for a nation. Moses was a man of God and that's what made him great. He listened to God And when he listened to God, he was a great man of God. When he obeyed God, he was a great man of God. When he spoke the words of God, he was then a great prophet of God. But his greatness was not because of who he was and his natural abilities, but because of God. And all you have to do is look way back in the beginning of the book of Exodus when you see that Moses tried to deliver the people on his own and he met with absolutely no success. And yet with God, he led a nation out of bondage and slavery. And then we saw the choosing of Aaron. And we get the idea that because Aaron was chosen by God to be the high priest, that somehow Aaron's abilities and Aaron's personality and Aaron's character allowed God to choose him as the high priest. And in the coming weeks, we will see that none of those are the case. And so when we see God doing something, instead of getting our eyes on the people that are the instruments of God doing something. We should be praising and giving the glory to God because He is the one doing those things. And all too often we get the idea that the only thing that God calls and chooses and, and, and gives His Spirit and abilities to are pastors and missionaries and evangelists. And if you're in some kind of church work, that therefore you have some type of special calling by God and some special ability. The passage here that we're going to look at is belays that. And the title of my, of my message is simply, God gifts those He calls. God gifts those He calls. Now, the leading up, we've been seeing how God has told Moses how to prepare a tabernacle and the 
the um, the furniture and all of the the building and the construction and how it's to be done, and he's told them about uh, the incense and the anointing oil and the and the oil for the for the candles, and he's basically said, for instance, like the incense was to be holy. It wasn't holy because it was just placed in the tabernacle, but it was to only be used in the tabernacle. That's what's made it holy. And God said, if you use this incense for your own personal use, that is a problem that God will have with you and will cut you off. It's holiness. So God has told Moses, these are the, how I want you to construct things. The wood, the gold, the silver, the bronze, and, and the, the types of linens and, and various materials. But then God goes on to tell Moses in chapter 31 of Exodus. Now the Lord spoke to Moses saying, See, I have called by my name Bezalel, the son of Uri, the son of Ur, of the tribe of Judah. And I have filled him with the Spirit of God in wisdom, in understanding, in knowledge, in all kinds of craftsmanship to make artistic designs of work in gold in silver and in bronze, and in the cutting of stones for the setting and for the carving of wood, that he may work in all kinds of craftsmanship. And behold, I myself have appointed him with Olealeb, the son of Ahazamach, of the tribe of Dan, and in the hearts of all those who are skillful, I have put skill that they may make all that I have commanded you. And then I'm going to read, well, we'll go ahead and read all the things. The tent of the meeting and the ark of the testimony and the mercy seat upon it and all the furniture of the tent, the table and also all of its utensils and the pure gold lampstand with all its utensils and the altar of the incense, the altar of burnt offering also with its, all of its utensils and the laver and its stand, the woven garments as well and the holy garments for Aaron and the priests and the garments of his sons with which carry on the, their priesthood the anointing oil also, and the fragrant incense for the holy place. They are to make them according to all that I have commanded you. So God says, I've given you a pattern to make the tabernacle, which will be my presence and all those items in it. But I'm going, I have called by my name two men. And then some additional. But I want you to notice what it says. He does not say, these two gentlemen have great skill and ability, and therefore I'm choosing them. He says, I'm choosing these two gentlemen, and I'm going to put my wisdom and understanding and skill upon them so that they may complete the task. That is radically different than what is taught even in the churches today, you'll see a lot of people who have these uh, questionnaires about how to determine your gifts. And if you take this spiritual test, it will determine the gifts that you have and the gifts that you don't have and maybe where you should go and maybe what you shouldn't do. Now, God has given us all personalities and God has all given us certain gifts and that is, that is correct. But that discounts what God can do 
when He calls you to do something. I'll give you a perfect example. I frequently say, I don't like people. And I'm frequently justified in that saying. Now that's a terrible quality to have if you're the pastor. But I love you because Jesus loves me and loves you. He has changed my heart from who I am to what He needs me to be because of His calling. If He only called all of those people who had certain natural abilities, then we would just simply give them a test and determine where they should be. And the problem with that is that so often in the church, what happens is we say, we need something. We need a teacher. We need a this. We needed that. And we wait for the Calvary to come. We wait for somebody to walk through the door and say, that person has the ability to do it. Praise God that He sent somebody. But that's not what this says. This doesn't say that God picked those people who had natural ability and then told them, go ahead and do it. He said, I'm placing my spirit on them to give them the skill needed. And if you take a look it's a multifaceted skill. You would think in our day of, of, of specialization, he would say, okay, I'm going to call the gold workers and the silver workers over here. I'm going to call the stonemasons over here. And I'm going to call the carpenters and woodworkers over here. And I'm going to call the construction people over here. Notice he didn't say that. He goes, I'm calling two guys and a bunch of others. And I'm going to give them all of these skills and abilities. And not only that, he's giving them their wisdom. Because if you take a look at the instructions that Moses gave through God, it's really hard. That's why like when you saw the um, Ark of the Covenant that we had a few weeks ago up here, and if you look in some of the other pictures, how they look a little different, the way the, way the angels look a little different, it's because there's a different interpretation of how that might be. God gave them the Spirit to know what He has called them to do so when they make it, they will make it according to the pattern. So, it's not good enough for us to sit in the pew and say, well, I can't do that. Well, we need it Maybe somebody will come. And I, what, fortunately, this church is, is much better than that. It used to be in many churches and, and a long time ago, if there was a ministry that needed to be done, people would come up to the pastor and say, Pastor, I think we need to do this ministry. Go, Great, why don't you start it? Oh no, that's something you should figure out. Well, if God laid it on your heart, maybe you should do it. Oh no, I just think it ought to be done. So I want you to turn to 1 Corinthians chapter 12. And I want to reiterate what the Old Testament just told us that God had called people and then give them skills. Verse 1, Now concerning spiritual gifts, brethren, I do not want you to be unaware. And then I'm going to skip to verse 4. 
Now there are a variety of gifts, but the same Spirit. And there are a variety of ministries, and the same Lord. There are varieties of effects, but the same God who works all things and all persons. But to each one is given the manifestation of the Spirit for the common good. For to one is given the word of wisdom through the Spirit, and to another the word of knowledge according to the same Spirit. To another faith by the same Spirit, and to another gifts of healing by the one Spirit, and to another the effecting of miracles, and to another prophecy, and to another distinguishing of spirits, to another various kinds of tongues, and to another the interpretation of tongues. But one and the same Spirit works all these things, distributing to each one individually just as He wills. It is God's determination which one of the people in the body he distributes a particular gift. And you'll notice, for even as the body is one, yet has many members, and all the members of the body, though they are many, are one body, so also is Christ. For by one Spirit we were all baptized into one body, whether Jews or Greeks, whether slaves or free, and we were all made to drink of one Spirit. For the body is not one member, but many. And then it says, if the foot says, I, because I'm not the hand, I am not a part of the body, it is not for this reason any less part of the body. And he goes on talking about the various parts of the body. God has placed you in this place for a particular reason. You are a part of the body. You may be a foot, you may be a hand, you may be the back, you may be, you're not the head because that's Jesus. Although a lot of us think that's our spot. Jesus is the head. And then there seems to be a certain sense of jealousy. Well, because I don't have this gift, I'm not as important as that person. And Paul is saying that's not the case. You have many aspects to your body, but it's just one body but it's all necessary to carry out the function of the body. You need the fingers and the hands just as much as you need the toes and the foot. You'll go on and say, well, there are certain places of the body are less honorable, but they seem to get more attention. And if we were in a more private setting, I could fully develop that concept. But... But you know what he's talking about. And yet, if we don't have, you know, if, if we don't have the ability to heal people, or if we can't preach, or if we can't do this, we can't do that, then somehow God, we think that we're any less. And the truth of the matter is, all you have to do is think one part of the body is so important. So you might say, well, my chest is the most important part of the body. Then take a hammer and hit your thumb. And think about how often you think about your chest while your thumb is throbbing. Maybe that's why the church limps so often. Because we don't have healthy members. Or they're so often trying the thumb, which isn't really a good foot, 
trying to be the foot. But at the same token, if the body doesn't have a foot, maybe you ought to pray that God make you the foot so that we can walk. Rather than waiting for a foot to arrive. Because it just says that God distributes multiple gifts to the people He chooses to deliver them to. And it isn't quote-unquote natural ability. It is God-given abilities. And yes, my personality may make me more fit for one thing or the other, but my personality has nothing to do with God's calling. You are a man or a woman of God because you do what God says to do. And when God does things that are beyond your capability, guess what? You give God the credit and other people give God the credit. It's one of the reasons... that the more you know somebody, the less likely you're to be impressed by them. When you're in a church of tens of thousands of people, you rarely have an opportunity to meet the pastor or many of the pastors. And therefore, your obvious thought is, because this is a big church, boy, he must be a great man of God. And you go to a smaller church, where you can meet the guy and you go, well, he's not that impressive. It's probably true. But again, it's not the person, it's what God does through them. Even Paul himself acknowledges, I'm not much. But it's the power of God. It is the Spirit of God that affects the change in people's lives. Paul later in this book will say that there are certain qualities that people want to have. He says that a lot of people want to be able to speak in tongues and others want to be able to prophesy. And Paul tells us there are three things, faith, hope, and love. The greatest of these is love. But he also tells us to seek the better things. If he says that we are to seek the better things, means that we can seek the better things. It's not, well, I can't do that, therefore we have to wait for the Calvary to show up. No, I can seek God for the better things so that our body might be what it ought to be for Jesus. The last verse that I wanted to look at we find in 2 Timothy. It's in uh, chapter 2, starting with verse 20. 
Now in a large house, there are not only gold and silver vessels, but also vessels of wood and of earthenware, and some to honor and some to dishonor. He's saying, using no longer now a body but a house, saying, when you have your households, you have your pots and your pans, and you have your mikasa, and you have your china, and you have all these different things. When you wash your pot and your pan, you're not too worried about whether it breaks or not. When you wash your crystal in your china, you want to make sure that it's, that it's properly cared for so that it doesn't break or doesn't crack. But each has its own function. And some have more honor. You don't think much about your pots and your pans. You think a lot more about your china. And he's saying in the same way, there are various usages that all of us have and some may be considered more valuable, but all of it is necessary. I like to drink tea. And I may drink it out of a glass, and it could even be a crystal glass. But in order to get that tea, i got to boil it in a pan. Which means I needed the pan just as much as I needed the glass to drink it. And that's church. We need all of these various utensils and vessels to do what we need to do. Sorry for the pun. To really cook for God. Therefore, verse 21, if anyone cleanses himself from these things, he will be a vessel for honor, sanctified, useful, to the Master. Prepared for every good work. You see, the question is not what's your capability. The question is, what is your willingness to be used? And all too often, most of us quite often just want to be content doing what we do in our own comfort zone rather than saying, what is it, God, that you have called me to do and that's okay if you take me out of my comfort zone. I'm not praying for the Calvary to show up. I'm praying that you will use me or someone for that. But not only if you notice the willingness to be used, but the cleanliness to be used. There's a particular pan I like to use to make scrambled eggs with. It's kind of rounded. It makes it easier. But we wash that every time. Because if you don't, it makes the next eggs worse and worse and worse, until you don't want to use that pan because it's full of crud and disgusting and could even maybe make you sick. So first we need to say, God, use me. 
Second, God, cleanse me. And then, God, by sanctifying me, may I be useful to you. There have been times in my life when I've known God has used me. And it is an incredible sense of awe and astonishment. The sad thing is, you would think that I would take those emotions and say, Lord, do it more. But all too often, I would rather do what I would rather do rather than be useful to the Master. So I go back to the title of this message. God is the one who is able to gift those He calls. And guess what? He has called you and me. He has not called us to sit on a pew. He has not called us to do what we think we ought to do. He has called us to be useful to Him. And I can guarantee you this. If you make yourself useful to God, He will use you. No one else may never know. And no one else may never give you the credit for the things that God has done through you. No one may know your name like Moses. No one may know your name like Aaron. No one may know your name like Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego. No one may even know you like John or these two men who you probably don't know and we'll forget their names after this message. But God does. And I was privileged and honored when the church a couple of weeks ago celebrated my 20th anniversary here. And I thank you for that and I'm touched by it. But I'd much rather hear well done, thou good and faithful slave. I appreciate that you appreciate me. I'd much rather be appreciated by God. And so yes, God may call you to a function, to a ministry, to being a vessel that's not of all that great of honor. But God will know just how well you performed in your calling and how He gifted you. I suspect when Aaron went in to be to offer the sacrifice upon the mercy seat, he didn't think, wow, didn't these guys do a great job? 
Weren't we really special to have these guys make this ark? No, he worshiped the Lord because of what they had done. Wouldn't it be awesome? If you're so effective in ministry that no one notices you and you don't care because all the glory and all the honor and all the praise goes to God. And you say, I'm just an unprofitable servant. I only did what you told me to do. I only had the gifts that you gave me. And I only had the ministry because you called me. And with that church, we can set the world on fire. God only, Jesus only called 12 disciples. We have a few more than that here. With God, everything. Without God, it just doesn't matter. So, the invitation, the time of reflection comes to this. It isn't a matter of just this moment, but as you walk out these doors, may you contemplate, may you consider what God has called you to do. And to do that. And if you're not sure what God has called you to do, or if you're, if you're thinking, God, there needs to be another aspect to this body. That you say, God, if you send somebody, send somebody. If not, Gift me. And all God's people said,